Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. We want to greet all of our uh, Christian family here in Tampa today, and thank you for being with us, to gather with us. And we want to really thank every one of you from anywhere in the United States, anywhere in the world, that come to this this website and Take the time to hear a word from the Lord. Amen. Now, I believe the Bible is the word of the Lord, and therefore it is from the Lord. Amen. So we're going to be bringing you scripture today, in particular scriptures that have to do with the coming of Christ and where we are in relation to his coming and how we should be responding to that knowledge of his soon coming today. We're going to be talking to you today about some words of Jesus that we're going to read in just a moment in a prophetic context about his coming. Shall I find faith? That is the title. That is the question Jesus asked, and we want to answer it in the affirmative today. Amen. But the the title of our message is the words of Christ himself, part of his, his response to those asking about his coming and the circumstances of his coming and the question he asked is a poignant and very pointed question. Shall I find faith? What is he going to be looking for? And in particular, who is he going to be looking for when he returns for his bride? Amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bible, that verse of scripture is found in Luke 18 and 8. Jesus said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. I like the Amplified. It says, shall he find persistence in faith? And according to Darby's synopsis of the New Testament, this verse is part of Christ's prophetic warning with respect to the last days. Now, the Bible said that, that the Antichrist would not be manifest until there come a falling away first, then he will be able to be manifest. And the falling away that's going to find its climax and apex during the tribulation, I believe, has begun today because we see so many people compromising the faith, not fighting for the faith that was once delivered to the saints, but rather allowing all kinds of compromises to the faith. And when we compromise the faith, we're compromising our faithfulness to Jesus Christ today. So this is the question he asked, and it's prophetic of the circumstances of the last days. In fact, the Apostle Paul talked about it in Second Corinthians when he said, I've espoused you to one husband. Second Corinthians 11 and verse 2. I've espoused you to one husband that I may present you a chaste virgin unto Christ. In the context, he's addressing doctrines that would woo us away from the simplicity of Christ or the simple truth of Jesus Christ. And those doctrines are more prominent 
and prevalent today than they have ever been. He talked about the Eve being seduced by the devil's lies uh, to 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 commit a sin that that <laughs> really would, she was used then to bring Adam into that same sin and bring the darkness that has come upon this earth today. And friend of mine, the enemy is still working to woo us away from our commitment to the faith and therefore faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Amen. God promises when he comes in this context of Luke 18, he promises some things. He promises to avenge his elect when Jesus comes again. So this is no time to be despondent. It's no time to be discouraged or distracted. This is a time, especially, to not be deceived, not be double-minded, if you please. This is a time, amen, to stand firm in the faith. Let's read Luke chapter 18, 1 through 8. Listen to it, to put context to Jesus' words. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always pray and not to faint, saying, There was a city, a certain judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. But there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall, listen, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. You see, it's been such a long time coming. Some people believe it's not coming. And I'm not just talking about Christ coming for his bride. I'm talking about Jesus coming to judge the earth. There's a difference between the second coming of Christ when he comes to judge the wicked and the secret coming of Christ called the rapture, the catching away. Amen. That coming is in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. The coming of the Lord to judge the earth. It said, every eye will see him and the world will mourn because of him. We're going to be glad to see him if we are faithful to him. That's why Paul said through the gospel, those that had believed on Jesus through his gospel, he said, you have become betrothed espoused unto Christ, and that, that I may present you unto him a chaste virgin. Once once someone is betrothed, they are not to date anyone else in that culture. It, in our culture, it's it's crazy. Uh, uh, there There isn't a lot of real deep commitment. There should be, and there ought to be. But in that particular culture of Christ's time, if you were betrothed, not only didn't you date anybody else, and didn't you go out with anybody else, and particularly didn't you have any relations with anyone else. That's what chaste means. 
Amen. If it was found that you had, then, then there was grounds for divorce. It's called fornication. Sex without sight of marriage and sex that had occurred while being betrothed, if it was found out, you did not have to marry that person because they were unfaithful. This is a serious scripture here when Paul said that I may present you a chaste virgin unto Christ. Listen, it's been a long time since anyone has preached in in our generation the judgment to come. And yet that judgment is coming. So Jesus is not just coming for His church in the secret coming. He's coming to judge the world in the second coming. And He said there's something that is continuous in heaven, this cry for justice. Remember when Cain slew Abel. And, and he, and, and, and God came to him and, and he required him to, to answer him. He said, where is thy brother? And, and he said, I, am I my brother's keeper? And God answered and said, the blood of your brother cries unto me, cries unto me from the ground for justice. The blood, can you imagine all of the bloodshed on this earth, 70 million abortions of innocent lives that have occurred for no other reason than inconvenience to the mother or birth control? Can, can you imagine the cry unto God for justice, the wars, the, 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 the extermination of six million men, women, and children of the Jews during the Nazi occupation and the millions who have been killed and are being killed in wars, the bloodshed. In fact, the Bible said that the water will turn to blood during the tribulation and the angel said, it's, it's a requisite, it's a righteous judgment. They have shed so much blood. They are bloodthirsty, so now let them drink blood as a punishment. Friend of mine, listen, not only the persecuted saints on earth, but the martyred saints in heaven cry for justice from God. Look at Revelation 6, 9 through 11. And when he had opened the The fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord? You see the difference between the unjust judge and the justice of our God. Listen, but even the unjust judge, amen, gave justice to the widow who continued to cry out for it. And they cried with a loud voice, verse 10 of Revelation 6, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given to every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Friend, the great tribulation will be a time of reaping, a day of judgment and justice. God will deliver His people and He will avenge innocent blood. Revelation 16, 1 through 6, listen to it. 
And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon men, which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O God, which art, which wast, and shalt be, because thou hast judged us. For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. Oh, friend of mine, the tribulation is going to come soon. But before the Antichrist is manifest, which will really begin the first three years of the tribulation with him in power. Listen, the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Praise God. Friend of mine, this is no time to be dating out on Jesus. This is no time to follow messages and messengers and churches and denominations that are in full-blown compromise to the eternal truth of the Word of God. It's been a long time coming, I understand, but it is coming. He's been a long time coming, but He is coming soon. And the question that He's asking is, when I come, shall I find faith, fidelity, faithfulness. We are betrothed, you see, to one husband. We are espoused to Jesus Christ. And we need to stand firm in the faith because faithfulness to the faith is synonymous with faithfulness to Jesus Christ. We need to stand firm like we have never stood firm. And we need to earnestly contend, as the Bible puts it, for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That's how betrothed people act. Amen. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, when I was a, when I was a teenager in a galaxy far, far away in a, at a time long, long ago, I gave my ring that my daddy gave me. It wasn't my class ring. I hadn't graduated yet, but I had a ring and it had a birthstone in it. And I took, I took that ring and I gave it to my wife to be, Pamela, which we just celebrated our 59th wedding anniversary. But from the time that I gave her my ring, and she wore it where people could see it. She didn't put it in her pocket. She didn't put it in her purse. She didn't leave it at home. She wore it around her neck. I remember the Elvis Presley song from back then, Won't you wear my ring around your neck to let the world know your mind by heck. Yeah, I said heck, and don't worry about it. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Today, that's such a mild thing, isn't it? Amen. She wore my ring around her neck, and that meant that she was my girl, my girlfriend. We were at what we call then as teenagers, we were going steady. 
Amen. Amen. I turned up, I turned up my, my collar on the back, not to look cool, but it also, in our, in our situation, in our school, it was a sign that that, that guy is going steady, that ring, she's going steady, and we were, in fact, betrothed to one another because I got to marry my high school sweetheart. Actually, my junior high school sweetheart. Friend of mine, I want you to know today, amen, Christ is the bridegroom in Scripture and the church in many places. While it's not specifically uh, saying that we are the bride of Christ, it is. there are many Scriptures that imply that very thing. We are the bride of Christ, and Jesus is coming for a bride who is faithful to His truth and to the faith for it's the same as being faithful to him praise god the apostle paul tells us how to live hopeful and be faithful in the time of great pressure and persecution in philippians 3 20 and 21 in philippians 4 and verse 1 it's all running together so we're going to read it together and not separate verse 21 from chapter 1 of philippians 4 it says for our conversation is in heaven our conversation is in heaven now that word conversation in the greek is talking about citizenship itself it would read, for our citizenship is in heaven. Even while we're here upon the earth, we are recorded as Christians, as citizens of the heavenly new Jerusalem. And when it comes down, and we come down because we have went up, amen, and now we're coming back with him to rule and reign, it said Jerusalem, because we are part of the city, is coming like a bridegroom, <laughs> hallelujah, and the bride, uh, amen, praise God. For our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according of the working, whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Therefore, in light of this great truth, the soon coming of the Lord, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Praise God. I like one translation. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Therefore, my brothers... You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord. Dear friends, hallelujah. Listen, we need to realize this world is not our home. Verse 20 says our citizenship is in heaven. The people whom Paul was writing, the Philippians, lived in a city that had been made part of the Roman Empire. They had been granted Roman citizenship. It was a high privilege. It meant they were accorded all the rights and privileges belonging to the most 
powerful empire in the world. They were under the protection of Rome. They could travel in safety. They had privileges ordinary people just didn't have. And they were proud of their Roman citizenship. They held their heads high. But listen, as Christians, they were in danger of becoming so attached to and identified with this world to be comfortable with a transient world that's passing away. You see, standing firm in the faith means that we see ourselves as pilgrims and strangers in this world, just passing through on our way to heaven. I like Hebrews 11, verse 8 and 9. It, it really brings out this great truth. It said, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in a land of promise, as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. And these tabernacles are not great stone edifices. They literally, though Abraham was made rich, he didn't have his roots down in this world. This word tabernacles, he actually dwelt in tents. Were they nice tents? Yes. Were they fancy? No doubt. Were they adequate? You bet. Were they comfortable as a tent can be? Yes, it was. But it was, did he, did he live in something as if this was the permanent place where he would stay forever? No, he did not. Why? Verse 10 said, For he looked for a city which, had found, which hath foundations. Book of Revelation tells us about the holy city and all of the precious jewel, bejeweled foundations of that city with gates carved out of one pearl. Hallelujah. Amen. He looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11, 8 in the in the paraphrase, I like this paraphrase. Let's read it. We have time today. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land, which God would give him as his inheritance. He went without no, not knowing where, where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, like he was a foreigner living in a tent. And so did Isaac and Jacob, to whom God gave the same promise. Abraham did this because he he was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. Amen. In my Father's house, there's many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Hebrews thirteen fourteen says, Here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Hallelujah. Amen. The paraphrase said, For this world is not our home. We are looking for our city in heaven, which is yet to come. 
we used to sing it to remind ourselves looking for a city where we'll never die, where the sainted millions never say goodbye. There we'll see our Savior and our loved ones too. <laughs> Come, O Holy Spirit, all our hopes renew. We need the Holy Spirit's help. We need to focus, refocus on the instructions in the Word of God for people living during the beginning of the great falling away that we do not become part of that falling away, that we do not become attached to this world because we are living for the world to come. Hallelujah. Amen. Remember, Jesus will come back for us, and He's coming soon. Philippians 3.20, For our citizenship is in heaven, from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. One translation said, We eagerly await a Savior. Hallelujah. We need not only recognize this world's not our home, dear friend. We need to remember that Jesus is coming for us. One day, and I believe it is soon, we will be with Jesus, perhaps sooner than we even think. One day soon, Jesus will return, <laughs> and we anticipate with joy His coming. The Bible said unto them that look, eagerly anticipate, He shall return, hallelujah, without sin unto salvation. The Apostle Paul says that we eagerly await His return. In other words, those who love Jesus can't wait to see Him face to face. We want to be with Him. We're excited about heaven. Just think of what it means to be with Christ. Jesus said in John 14 that He was going away to prepare a place for us. Oh, friend, He said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you. That where I am, there you may be also. Glory to God. Dear friend of mine, today is no day to follow many of the progressive so-called denominations and churches and ministers and ministries which are leaving the foundation stones of the faith in the name of modernizing and repackaging the gospel to present it to people who who are are reticent and refusing to receive the truth and of the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. It is very controversial today to believe the Bible as it is written and apply it to our culture because the Bible as it is written, the eternal, inerrant Word of God is considered by many in our culture to be an antiquated old book that had to do with the culture of, of antiquity and no relevance to us today because we are modernized and we are we are we are beyond all of those oh all of those moral standards of that day i'm not talking about the old covenant i'm talking about the new testament in jesus christ friend of mine i'm going to tell you today god has not changed the Word of God has not changed, but the church of Jesus Christ, by and large, speaking of, of denominational 
organized Christianity certainly has changed and is changing. For the world church to form and the false prophet to lead it and the Antichrist to come on the scene, there's going to have to be compromise in every single religious system. And the the compromises that are being made now is setting up setting up the true church for persecution. Because if you stand true in this day, you will be persecuted for it. And that's why Paul said, I've espoused you to one husband. Don't be like Eve that was so easily deceived by the devil. This is about doctrine. This is about truth. This is about whether or not the Bible is relevant today. Do we need to obey it today? Or does it not fit in to a progressive society, the, a, a, a redefining of what family is, a redefining of what sexuality is, a redefining of what a woman is and what a man is? Do you see how deceptive the enemy is? We can't even define a man from a woman today without hitting this 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 blowback of a culture that is so blinded that they that 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 in, we we have we have progressed into a regression in our generation and we're watching it unfold and we must heed the words of Jesus who said when i return will I find fidelity. That's what that word pistis means when he said faith. It's not talking about believing him for for automobiles, not even believing on him as our Savior. It's talking about being faithful to him as our King. And being faithful to his word is the same as being faithful to him. Being faithful to his truth is the same as being faithful to him. Amen. Because you can't separate him from the word of God. In the beginning, John's gospel says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among men. And we beheld his glory, Jesus, you see, as the only begotten Son of God. The Word was made flesh. I'm telling you, you can't separate the true church from Christ, nor can you separate Christ from the truth of the Word of God. And there's an attack on that truth. The spirit of Antichrist was working and began working in the first generation of Christians. And it is accelerated now and is working overtime in our generation. And that's why the encouragement of the Apostle Paul is so important prophetically in light of Jesus' words, when I return, shall I find faith. Shall I find fidelity? Oh, friend of mine, the Apostle Paul in, in 2 Corinthians eleven two says, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I've espoused you. See, when someone comes to Jesus, we're betrothed. We're betrothed. Hallelujah. I've espoused you to one husband that I may present you a chaste virgin unto Christ. And it has to do with truth and it has to do with doctrine and it has to do with deception. 
because he goes on to say not like like not as Eve who was who was seduced who was deceived by the devil amen so let's stand fast and let's stand true today amen let's have our lamps full of oil trimmed and burning that when the cry behold the bridegroom comes we will be ready to go out to meet him praise god amen i'm an old time preacher now because i'm 75 years old preached the gospel for almost 50 years of my life and friend of mine i'm standing where i stood the day i started preaching do I understand some things more clearly? Yes. And one of the things that has become more clear is that the Word of God is eternal. It's inerrant. And we don't need to mess with it and edit it to fit our culture. It is designed to change men and women's hearts and therefore their lives in this culture. I want to read you something from a pastor way, way back at the turn of the century. And this is what he wrote in his journal. He said, many years ago, on a Saturday morning, while I sat in my Liverpool study, preparing my sermon for the following day, a telegram was put in my hand announcing the wreck of the ship Royal Charter in Mulford Bay off the coast of Wales and asking me to go and break the news of her husband's death by drowning to the wife of the first officer. The ship had gone almost around the globe. She had been to Australia and had been telegraphed as arrived at Queenstown on the previous night so that she was anxiously expected that day in the mercy But during the early morning, a furious gale, which I might rather call a terrible hurricane, sprang up, and she was driven to destruction on that fearful shore. With the loss of over 400 lives, as I entered the house of my parishioner, I was met by her little boy who came dancing unto me and shouted, Papa's coming! Papa's coming! When I went into the parlor, I found the table spread, in expectation of the arrival of him who would never cross the threshold again. I cannot tell you how I performed my mission, but after I had told the heavy news, the woman seemed almost stricken into marble. Her grief was too deep for tears, and I can never forget how, as she seized my hand, the first words that came gasping out were these. So near home and yet lost. So near home and yet lost. Listen, if you become a Christian, you're espoused to Jesus Christ. Today, if you are not a Christian, Jesus' coming is soon and you will be judged with the wicked instead of saved with the righteous. When I say righteous, I do not mean those that are 100% sinless. I'm talking about those whose sins have been forgiven and those to whom sin is no longer reigning in their life, in their mortal body. 
Amen. But those who have been granted a robe of righteousness. Hallelujah. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ and our faithfulness to Jesus Christ. And therefore to His Word and His truth today. You cannot separate His truth from Him who declared, I am the truth. Glory be to God. Amen. This is a day for the church, the true church, the body of Christ, to be faithful to Him. For we are the betrothed and we are the bride. (laughs) Hallelujah. And He is the bridegroom. Praise God. Today, dear friend, this is no time to follow leaders who are compromising the truth because the spirit of Antichrist has deceived them. Yes, I'm going to so far as say the spirit of Antichrist has deceived them. For every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is Antichrist. That God was made flesh. That the second person of the Godhead, Jesus, was made flesh. The Word was made flesh and walked among us. Oh, today, friend, don't follow that new age blended gospel that is so acceptable and palatable to the world. Follow the inerrant eternal truth of the Word of God. That's what being true to Him is all about. That's how the espoused express their faithfulness. And today, if you don't know Jesus, He's coming for His people. And then He's coming back to judge the wicked. Oh, don't be part of those who are destined to drink blood as a judgment. Be part of those who have been washed in the blood. Amen. And are saved. Don't run from Christ today. The tribulation is going to begin soon after the catching away. Don't be left behind. Be part of that number that hear the trumpet sound (laughs) and go up with us. When he comes, in Jesus' name.